Welcome to the Aussie Bloggers Podcasts, brought to you by Tan and Amanda. Tan's from Write Your Cancer, and Amanda's from My Office Books, and you can find them both at Blogger Support for All. Join them as they talk about blogging, and as they speak to a variety of Aussie bloggers who share their own stories, secrets, and successes about the world of blogging. And now, here's Tan and Amanda. Hi, I'm Tan. Hi, I'm Amanda. And, and we're, we're from the Aussie Bloggers Podcast. Okay, I got it that time. I'm hopeless, <laughs> absolutely hopeless, Seamus. I do this all the time. Today we actually have a wonderful daddy blogger, Seamus the Dadinator. Hi, Seamus. Hello, how are you going? We're great. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. Enjoying a public holiday in Victoria, which is always nice. Oh, okay. It's our Labor Day today. Labor Day. Interesting. Mm. Seamus, tell us a little bit about your background because yours is very, very interesting. And I've been following your blog and in my head when I listen to you, Mm. when I listen to the way that you write, I'm picturing this wonderful Irish accent. (laughs) Sorry. There's a lot of people with a name like Seamus. My my middle name is actually Patrick. And my surname's McGee, so it's it's ridiculous. Um, but no, I was I was born out here. My mother came across from another part of the world. She's Cypriot, so I'm actually half Greek Cypriot, and my dad's side's oh, wow. the Irish side. So it's a, it's an interesting blend that I guess you'll find in a place like Australia. Uh, I was born and grew up in Melbourne in Victoria and four years ago now we made a move to central Victoria. We live in the country in a tiny little town called Guildford, uh, which is close to a not-so-tiny town called Castlemaine. Uh, and we moved out here to be able to afford a house and some land and to try and grow food and have chickens and do all those things and a goat. Tell my wife I want a goat. <laughs> It's a bit high maintenance. Um, but with, with what they call tree changes. So we moved out here, found a place after about a year of um, renting, and then we bought it, slapped solar panels on it, put a rainwater tank on it, tried to make our own compost heap and planted a lot of vegetables that died the first time. Uh, less of them have died this year, though, which is really, really good. Congratulations. That's good. That's achievement. Yeah, and we've... Uh, had another kid since we came out here. I've got two children. Uh, they're four and two years old. Uh, the four-year-old's a, a little boy who was born in Melbourne and the two-year-old was born out here. And we also moved because we wanted them to have a big yard running around, climbing trees, all that idyllic stuff, hopefully not getting bitten by snakes, which hasn't happened. Uh, we've never actually seen a snake while since we've been out here, but we have plenty of neighbours who have. Mm, but anyway... Um, and we've just been trying to live the dream we cooked up in our head six or seven years ago. My, my wife and I have been planning on doing this for a while. And then as tends to happen in life, within a space of six months, boom, we were in the country and looking for a house to buy and having a second kid. And it was um, a bit crazy, a bit wow. crazy for a while there. And so when did the Dadonator first come about? Uh, I was uh, initially the... Um, I started writing down some thoughts and things for myself. My my wife, who I call the Muminator on my blog, mm. uh, she gets very well. The two times she's been pregnant, she's gotten very ill both times, and the um, 
second time especially, she was crook with a two-year-old running around, which made life very difficult. And I'd spent about 12 to 14 weeks at home looking after him while she was basically bedridden. Uh, and I started to write about it for myself, really, just as a, a way of reflecting and venting and, I don't know, coping in a way because it was a pretty pretty rough time for all of us. Um, and then it grew into something that I wanted to start sharing with people. I just sort of kept it up as a habit. I was inspired by a couple of um, dad bloggers from the United States, especially a guy called John who writes at Ask Your Dad, uh, his blog's called askyourdad.com, and um, he wrote a few pieces that really got me and inspired me and made me think, oh, this writing about fatherhood thing is is worthwhile um, and it can be used, you know, to to spread some really positive stuff, which is what I try and do. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Because, I mean, and that leads us really nice about modern fatherhood. Because really this generation has turned the ideals of fatherhood on its head, haven't they? Yeah, well, I, I like to think so. Um, I, I see it all over the place. I see things like, uh, you know, work cultures where it's a given that if if dad's working and mum's at home, if mum's sick, dad will stay home to look after the kids. Um, I see paternity leave that lasts for more than a day. The stories of, you know, our parents, both mine and my um, mine and my wife's dads, were quite different. Um, my dad worked really hard and made a fairly decent pile of money as a, as a lawyer and he saw that we had, you know, pretty much everything we wanted, but yeah. he was in the office. He left at 6.30 in the morning and didn't get home till 7 a lot of the time and there wasn't much time there. There were weekends. Um my mum commented after my son was born, she came to, she was one of the first people to come to visit, as you'd expect. And within about 20 minutes of her being there, we, we noticed that my son needed a nappy change. So I just took him and took him over to the change table. And she commented later, gosh, your dad never changed the nappy. It's <laughs> just crazy. It was, you know, yeah. I'm only um, 35. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And it would have been unthinkable for him to do that. Now, of course, there were dads back then that, Definitely did all that sort of stuff. But there's more of them now and I think men are more willing um, and in some ways really want to be part of their children's lives from the very beginning, which is good for everybody, good for them and and good for their children as well. So that's sort of why one of the reasons why I write about it is to try and tell that story a little bit. Um, You know, we're... I don't want to, uh, normalising isn't quite the right word, but yeah. it's the best one I can come up with at the minute. So it's sort of normalising the idea of dads as nurturing, as carers, uh, and as, you know, people who like babies. I like babies. I like lots. Yeah. I like babies a lot. <laughs> and uh, Seamus, so do you think that that is one of your successes, the fact that people, in particular men, can actually relate to you? I hope so. Um Yes, and I think also part of writing about it the way um, I do is about a bit of a, a cultural shift or a shift in the paradigm of, you know, of manhood, which comes with enormous inverted commas around it. Um, I think that the the sorts of 
male characters you see in TV series and things like that now have, have shifted a lot as well yeah. from sort of comic figures like on, say, Modern Family to mm. actually I don't really watch Home and Away Neighbours, to be honest, so I don't know what they're like. But the idea of men pushing prams and holding kids and things like that, you know, yeah. you, you go back to the 50s and you wouldn't have seen that sort of thing. You would have seen man, man on the armchair in the smoking jacket with a pipe telling his son a moral lesson and then yeah. thonking him at the end of it all. Um, but nowadays, you know, baby carriers, prams, men are everywhere doing that sort of stuff. And yeah. it's to, it's, and I said it before, it's the benefit of the kids, but it's also to the ben- benefit of men themselves, yeah. I think. Yeah. And that, um, in terms of when you gave the, the the picture of the the man sitting on the in the armchair and and smoking his pipe and whatever yeah. uh, back then they would have been seen as weak I guess if yeah. they had yeah yeah shown emotions. I, I, I have on a few times written sort of diatribes against the idea of being strong <laughs> and how I I think it's just it's ridiculous and that concept of um, masculine strength as being all and being master of the house and all that sort of stuff is just, it's unhealthy. Before any other of the issues with it, and there are heaps of them, it's unhealthy for the person in that position. You know, it's, um, I much prefer to be relatable to my children and to be there with them and to play with them and to do stuff with them and um, sometimes, quite honestly, to just veg out with them on the couch if that's what they want to do. You don't always have to be, you know, um, you don't always have to be on top of them and controlling them and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, look, I, I, the next thing I want, that lends really nicely in about men and their mental illness mm. Because I think you brought out a very good point there that this macho image that men try to sustain is can be very destructive because you become very isolated. And when things get, things get tough, you're putting on this, this facade of strength. Yeah. That having had an uncle that committed suicide some years ago because he wouldn't share the darkness that he was hiding in, it, it, it's more personal for me. So I can definitely see how important it is for bloggers like yourself, who's a dad, to be sharing this information, not just from the perspective of saying, hey, this is not how you have to be anymore, but also, I guess, to educate that you can yeah. talk. Yeah. Um, I'm, I owe a lot of... Um my sort of inspirational debt to a guy called Clint who writes at Reservoir Dad, which is a stunning blog. He's a brilliant writer. And um, he wrote this piece that really got to me about, he called it he the 1950s man in me. Um, look it up. It's fantastic. It's a three-part blog post about how when his wife suffered a miscarriage and he shut down, didn't talk about it. It's like his that was still his default position even in the 2000s and even as this guy who stays at home and look at, looks after four boys while his wife works and is, you know, the modern dad in a lot of ways, but it still happens. Yeah. It's a reflex that we've had sort of beaten into us over the years. Um, yeah. And it sort of led me to, to reflect a little bit on instances where I've done exactly the same thing yeah. and I still do it and it's 
really, you know, being conscious of it and writing about it's um, one of my ways of trying to prevent myself from not talking, prevent myself from not talking. That's a double negative, but it'll do. Yeah, I understand, um, I understand what you're yeah. saying. And I think it's so essential because... At least yeah. for other dads, they can Google and they can read your articles and go, wow, I'm not alone. And maybe, just maybe, have you noticed that some dads have actually on the quiet reached out to you and spoken to you about some of your articles? Yeah, yeah. Um, here and there. And, you know, some some will just comment on the blog, but not everyone wants to do that and yeah. have, to, have to respect that. Um, but, you know, I hope, I hope that the... Um, words I write do some good somewhere. Uh, and I think I've had some really honest chats with other um, dads as well. We started using a medium called Blab, which is uh, it's a live chat room where you've got, you can have up to four video streams together and records it and everything. I've been talking to some of the other dads I know who write. I'm, I'm part of a network called Aussie Daddy Bloggers. And um, we did this really powerful episode and we called it mental health with men written in big letters in mental i thought it was very clever but anyway uh the one of the guys there jason's his name talked about struggling with with bipolar disorder as a new dad and oh my god it was heart-wrenching and at the same time so brave to just put that forward um, you know, he struggled to get it under control. The fact that when you've got a condition like that, it's not a matter of finding a cure. It's a matter of managing it for, you know, yeah. the rest of your life. And it was just amazing. And we all sort of opened up about times when we've been stressed, we've been worried, we've been scared, we've been anxious. And, um, you know, we all have those experiences. And it's really important that uh, as men we discuss it, not just keep it to ourselves um and i hope that when you start to when you start to put that stuff out there it makes it easier for other men to sort of reflect and go oh maybe i'm doing you know maybe i'm showing some of the warning signs of having feelings bubbling up inside me and maybe you know they say everyone's got a different way of coping with it and they say you know i just go out to a punching bag and hit it but that's not enough it's not enough You know, you need to need to talk to someone, whether that's your partner, whether that's a mate or whether that's a professional. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've spoken to mental health professionals before about various things and it's been really good for me. Yeah. I did, um, I'll tell you another little story. We, my son just doesn't, he, he never slept. He still doesn't. He'll never sleep. He's a <laughs> sleeper. And we actually went to a um, place, we went to a sleep school in Melbourne run through the Mercy Hospital, um, which was it was a good experience because they sort of fed us and we didn't have to do any housework, which was really nice for a week. <laughs> Our son still didn't sleep at the end of it, but that's okay. <laughs> it sort of didn't matter. But I was um, sort of there going, all right, I'm here, I'm, I'm strong, I'm going to be supportive, and um, the, the fulcrum around which my family turns and all this other crap. And then they uh, had us all take a little quiz, which is called the DAS test, the Depression, Anxiety and Stress Test, yeah. and I mentally went through it and went, oh, yeah, this stuff does worry me a bit, but it's not about me. So I'll just, you know, I'll tone my answers down as I tick my way through these things. You know, it's like, do you ever have periods of time when you feel as though you're worrying or do you ever notice your breath going funny? How much do you think about this sort of stuff? And I go, oh, yeah, you know, it's probably up around the threes or fours, but I'll just do the ones and twos because, you know, it's not about me. It's about getting the kids to sleep. And then uh, a nurse came to me and said, oh, we we, we think you should have half an hour with a counsellor. I went, what? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> All right. 
Yeah. Yeah, that'll probably be good. And then, then I did. And it was, um, the experience of it for me was we were talking about, I was in the middle, I was in between teaching jobs and yeah. there were financial worries and all this other stuff piling up on me. And the basic message from him was, well, of course you're stressed at the moment because you've got lots of stressful things happening in your life. Yeah. Uh, if this keeps up once these factors go away or if you're still feeling like this in a few months, come and talk to me again, but what you're feeling is perfectly natural. Yeah. And that was just such a relief. Yeah. You know, that sort of reassurance, um, which you can get. And, you know, if, if that hadn't have happened and I'd kept on carrying on with that stuff yeah. inside me without it coming out, you know, mm. I don't know what sort of um, what I would have ended up, you know, doing to myself psychologically or in terms of my health because stress isn't healthy. It's not healthy to carry around. So, you know, I think sharing stories like that, um, like I said, hopefully it does some, some good out there, shows you that, you know, life can get stressful and there can be factors outside of your control that even if you're someone who considers themselves mentally healthy, yeah. you can still get bogged down. Yeah. Absolutely, Seamus. And and life can be quite chaotic. And yeah. I understand that in terms of blogging, that's how you describe how you write. Yes, I do. <laughs> chaotic yeah. type of way. I, uh, yeah, there's... There's been times where I've sort of come up with this idea for a brilliantly funny thing that I was going to write and then I actually sit down to write it and just nothing comes out of my head. Or, which is more likely for me, I'll start writing it and I'll go, oh, actually, I really want to write about this other experience I had yesterday when I was pouring my son a cup of milk, I don't know, something like that. And then I'll end up writing something completely different. I've tried to schedule my writing. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> tried to commit to some sort of regular output and I go through flurries. I'll have these bursts in sort of three or four week periods where I seem to be managing to publish something once every two or three days, which is wonderful. And then I'm actually in the middle of a bit of a bit of a drought at the moment because I've um I'm full time teaching at the moment, which is fantastic to be in a position to do that. But, you know, time gets away from you a little bit. Yeah. And the kids, you know, kids go to sleep and then I'm doing schoolwork and then I think about writing half a blog post and then I do and then it sits there for another three weeks. <laughs> and I like how you are honest because let's face it, when you've got a two and four-year-old and you're working full-time, yeah. life gets in the way, doesn't it? And I think it's it reassuring does. to hear that. It mm. does. And I never want to be in a position where I'm where putting pressure on myself to blog is you know, another stress factor in my life yeah. or putting pressure on myself to blog starts to take away, you know, there's no point blogging about fatherhood if you're blogging instead of being a father. Mm, lovely. Yep. <laughs> that makes sense. It does. Um, and, you know, I've, like I said, I've, I've tried scheduling. I've tried saying I'm going to write stuff every Wednesday night and at the end that doesn't seem to happen. <laughs> okay. and I mean, I've actually, and I've just, you know, because, because I wasn't time poor enough already, I've just, gotten back into amateur theatre at the same time as well. So, you know, that's wiped out a couple of nights a week for rehearsals. So (laughs) (laughs) you find a way. (laughs) You're leading a very, very, very full life there, Seamus. And I'm sure that you inspire so many people out there. There are a lot of mummy bloggers, uh, not as many daddy bloggers, and it's so inspirational to be able to talk to you about 
your life and, and your journey and your blogging and everything minus the two goats that you wish you had. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't want to know that's the actual reason I want to get them. <laughs> so just to finish off, Seamus, do you have any any tips out there for for would-be daddy bloggers who who might want to get out there and start sharing mm. their own emotions and feelings? Just start writing. Really, in all seriousness, just with the thoughts in your head, just try and get them down. They don't doesn't even have to be, you know, something you put out there for the public to read. Um, I I find writing therapeutic. Mm. That's one of my my ways of sort of coping and dealing with things, and I quite enjoy sharing it with other people. Um, I mean, the other thing I've noticed about it too, and in, in, in if any fellas out there are thinking about doing it is so wonderful to look back on stuff you wrote a few years ago about your kids Mm. and just reflect on what it was like back then for you as well as you know having that little picture of what they were like at that particular moment helps me remember things you know there's 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 a few reasons why i do this and one of them is as a personal journal on what my kids are like and those moments that you have that are either precious or extraordinarily frustrating or Mm. usually both because, you know, you look back on those moments when they were just, oh, when they were um, really pushing your buttons and then you look back on it too, you say, oh, that was so cute. (laughs) Mentally programmed to forgive your children for just about anything. (laughs) It's all about perspective. It is. It is. So, yeah, I mean, you know, start getting some words down. Oh, the other important thing, don't just write, also read. Read some of the stories out there. I've gotten a lot of inspiration. Um from reading about some of the stuff other dads have gone through, some of the things other dads have written about, and mums as well, some of those, you know, parenting stories. And I've gained an awful lot through um, interacting with other guys about this sort of stuff, discussing not just writing and blogging but fatherhood as well. So, you know, do that. It's good for you. So if we have, like, those of our listeners, if they do want to connect with you, yeah. Um, what's the best way? Because you said you're on Blab. Do you do Blab regularly? We, we try to. <laughs> Our last Blab's been postponed three times now. Um, mostly my fault, actually. Last night it was because my son wouldn't go to sleep. But anyway, like I said, he still doesn't sleep. But, the um, yeah, we've actually got one coming up. Well, I don't know when this is being uploaded, but it's tonight in terms of when we're recording it. Uh, we try to do it at 9 p.m. on Sundays. That's... Um, yep. Eastern Daylight Savings Time at the moment. Yep. Because um, the, the guys doing it were all Victorian-based at the moment. And there's three regulars. There's uh, myself, a guy called Jason, who's known as Kangaroo Dad, and Travis, who lives in Ballarat and is copycat from Ballarat. Yep. And we talk about – I don't know what we're talking about tonight, actually. We haven't worked that out yet. <laughs> but we've talked about things like travelling with kids. Um, we've talked about becoming fathers. we talked about mental health. Yeah. Um, We've talked about starting school with kids and things like that too, which I'm not quite at yet, but that's going to be me next year. So yeah. any tips, send them my way. Um, <laughs> and, you know, all those sorts of issues. It's it's actually a really – it's an interactive sort of session too. If you catch us live, you can type in questions for us to answer. Um, awesome. We'll do our best to answer them. Can't promise any particularly great answers, but <laughs> we try. Um and my, obviously, there's the blog as well, which is at um, dadinating.com, yep. which is short for dadinating the countryside, which links to an old video game, but that's another story. Um, 
and then I'm on I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I'm on all the thingies. Um, I'm the dad nader on Facebook, which I no I stand by that. I am the dad nader. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, full stop. Yeah. Oh, look, thank you so much for your time. Seamus, it was excellent. Absolutely my pleasure. And you're so inspirational and we really appreciate you taking time out to come yeah. and, and chat to us and our listeners will appreciate it as much as we do, I'm sure, particularly on a public holiday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the other days I would be standing in front of a classroom of kids with a computer in front of me talking to you, so I don't think that would go so well. <laughs> the background noise mm, yeah thank you so much Seamus we really appreciate it and um, yeah we will definitely we'll have a chat to you once we stop the recording so awesome thank, thank you very much thanks bye. bye we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Aussie Bloggers Podcast if you would like to become a part of the Aussie Bloggers Podcast family and suggest a featured Aussie blogger or just to say day, visit Tan and Amanda at aussiebloggerspodcast.com or at bloggersupportforall.com. If you'd like to leave a review, they would love that too. Keep an ear out for the next Aussie Bloggers podcast coming your way soon.